Hello, everyone. How are you? I'm Wendy Myers. Welcome to the Myers Detox Podcast. And on this show, we talk about everything related to detoxification. And I love to address the underlying root causes of health issues that affect so many people. And endometriosis affects one in 10 women. It's so prevalent. And today I had Dr. Jessica Drummond come on the show to talk about the underlying root causes of endometriosis and how toxins play a role in its development and exacerbation. But we're going to be talking about so many other things. We'll talk about how you can put endometriosis into remission. We'll discuss is endometriosis genetic or due to lifestyle choices or both. We'll talk about the early signs of endometriosis that may surprise you. Uh, we'll talk about why it's key to intervene early if you suspect your child is, you know, a preteen or teenager has, you know, symptoms, painful cramps, gas, bloating, et cetera, symptoms of endometriosis, uh, because you can salvage fertility if you intervene early enough in this issue. We'll also talk about the role of toxins in exacerbating endometriosis and hormones, of course, how toxins interfere in hormones. And we'll talk about why hysterectomy is contraindicated in endometriosis, except in rare occasions. There's always, you know, that is very helpful for some women, but, you know, it's many times the only thing that medical doctors have to offer. And so we're going to talk about why that, that doesn't work because it's a systemic issue. And we'll also talk about why lifestyle interventions like diet and stress reduction are one of the top ways to outsmart endometriosis. So such a good show today if you're concerned or suspect uh, that you have endometriosis. So I know you guys listening to the show, you're concerned about toxins, you're concerned about your body burden of toxins and wondering what toxins that you have in your body. Do you have mercury, lead, arsenic, cadmium? So I created a quiz. It's a lifestyle quiz at heavymetalsquiz.com that based on your lifestyle questions and answers will help you determine the relative level of toxins that you have in your body. And then after you take the quiz, you get a free video series of answers your most frequently asked questions about detoxification. Where do you start? What are the best supplements? What are the best tests to, to detox your body? How long does it take? Created this amazing video series that answers so many of your questions so go take the quiz at heavymetalsquiz.com. Our guest today, Jessica Drummond, uh, is the CEO of the Integrative Women's Health Institute and author of Outsmart Endometriosis. She holds licenses in physical therapy and clinical nutrition and is a board-certified health coach. She has 20 years of experience working with women with chronic health pain, uh, facilitates educational programs for women's health professionals in more than 60 countries globally, and leads virtual wellness programs for people with endometriosis. Dr. Drummond lives and works with her husband and daughters between Houston, Texas, and Fairfield, Connecticut. And you can learn more about Jessica and her work at integrativewomenshealthinstitute.com. Jessica, thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. So what made you focus on endometriosis and, you know, focus your practice on that and pelvic pain and women's health in general? Well, I started my career just over 20 years ago in physical therapy, in orthopedics and sports medicine. And I thought that's where I would stay. I was an athlete as a kid. 
And what happened was my career, my kind of a number of patients got me interested in, in women's health from a physical therapy standpoint, which tends to be things like shoulder issues after breast cancer surgery, back pain related to pregnancy, incontinence, um, pregnancy and delivery issues, you know, injuries, things like that. And one, another thing that's very common in that realm of women's health physical therapy is pelvic pain relief and management. And I found, you know, in that first decade or so of my practice that that was one, you know, the area that was our tools were sort of limited. We had, we kind of would hit a plateau for some of our clients. And, you know, back then many of them were on opioids and had, you know, nerve stimulators and there just weren't good tools and women were really stuck in chronic pain for a long time. And then my first daughter was born and I had my own kind of hormonal crash, if you will. And that brought me to the world of functional nutrition. And eventually I got my doctorate in functional nutrition. And I began to integrate the tools of manual therapy, physical therapy, nervous system, down training, you know, vagus nerve toning. We didn't call it that at the time, but that's really what it was. And it was um, just de-stressing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like pain, you know, pain science of, around the brain uh, and brain health and then nutrition. So from that biochemical standpoint of optimizing the gut and nervous system and immune system. And I found that, you know, over the last decade that though that holistic strategy is really important for women with endometriosis, because there are so many other things. It's not just the lesions and, you know, we can, I'm sure we can explain exactly what endometriosis is in a moment, but there are these lesions, these growths of tissue that's similar to the lining inside the uterus, which is why it's called endometriosis, though it's not exactly the same. And it grows outside of the uterus. And so it's not just about like take the lesions out, but that's an important part of the puzzle. But there's also, you know, lowering inflammation and all of that. And I, I work with other pelvic pain conditions too, such as vulvodynia, period pain, bladder pain. And it's very similar that it's not, each of these things is not a simple, you know, one pain relief drug does the trick. It's really, these are complex multi-system involvement syndromes that I think really just the only thing that works well is to take that holistic and uh, lens with a multidisciplinary team. Yeah. Cause it's more, it's a systemic issue, maybe localized in that area. So it's, yeah. And you can even have endometriosis like inside your nose or on your knee or on the lung. People have had, had collapsed lung from endometriosis. So it is absolutely a systemic issue. Yeah. And the, the problem I have is when people go to a, you know, conventional medical doctor and we need them, we love them, but you know, I know several women who have sought out treatment, uh, for endometriosis and did so through a conventional doctor merely because it was covered by insurance. And the, the solution is just, let's just cut out the uterus. And, uh, the issue is they still have the endometrial tissue causing problems and in, in pain. So in the myth that they had this major, major life-threatening surgery for some people that have 
life-threatening complications and they still have the symptoms afterwards. So it's not the, the whole solution because you're not getting to the underlying root cause. In fact, it's not the solution at all. Hysterectomy is literally contraindicated for endometriosis. And now sometimes you need to do a hysterectomy in addition to an endometriosis excision surgery. You know, if someone has adenomyosis, there might be a reason to take out, you know, the uterus, but the, the literally whole definition of endometriosis is that these lesions are growing outside of the uterus. So it's never the right treatment. It's a complete myth that hysterectomy is a treatment for endometriosis. And you mentioned adenomyosis. Why would that perhaps be you know, indicated for a hysterectomy? So adenomyosis is similar to endometriosis. It's those tissue lesions, but they occur in the muscle around the uterus. So unfortunately, there's really no test at all to diagnose adenomyosis except hysterectomy. So it's a bit of a diagnosis by exclusion if, and, and sometimes it does co-present with endometriosis. So for women that have had good skilled endometriosis excision surgery, which is very appropriate in most cases, and they've done the holistic work and pelvic floor physical therapy, and they still have pain, that's something that's a big red flag to consider. Okay, great. Yeah, I just wanted to... But that's uh, much more rare, just to kind of put it in context. Okay, great. I just wanted to make that differentiation. And then, and so what is the prevalence of endometriosis? Because I think, you know, the reproductive issues are on the rise. Uh, fertility issues are on the rise. Uh, what is the... What's going on here? What's the underlying root cause? So endometriosis is really a genetic disease that is also exacerbated by inflammation and has, while this is a bit more controversial, I think more and more people are really coming to this um, understanding that it likely also has an autoimmune component. So it's the prevalence is one in 10 women, you know, one in 10 people with uteruses everywhere. Um, And that has been fairly stable, at least for the last 20 years of my practice, we're getting a little better at diagnosis relatively sooner, although it was about 15 years to diagnosis when I first started. Now it's more like six to 12, which isn't that great. Um, and they have done studies on female fetuses that do show about a 9% prevalence. So it it's, exists. It's a genetic you know, kind of underpinning but there are these inflammatory and autoimmune components to it that are you know, much more modifiable with the holistic approach that we're talking about. Yeah, and when you have an autoimmune condition, the, you, know, you have to have a leaky gut to be present in order to have an autoimmune issue expressed. So would you say the leaky gut is connected to endometriosis? Yes, and, and usually endometriosis presents, well, not, not necessarily usually, but very often endometriosis presents first as digestive symptoms. So in that pre-puberty time, ages eight to 12, it's very common to have in the history 
digestive issues, bloating, constipation is very common. And so women will, and, and this happens, you know, this continues. It's not like it's just from eight to 12, but it keeps going so, so much. And the bloating is so common that there's sort of a name for it, endo belly. But really, when we look at it in practice from this lens, it's really a, some version of SIBO, SIFO, dysbiosis, small intestinal inflammation. You know, there's some variable presentations, woman to woman, of course, but absolutely like optimizing digestive function is really foundational to um, healing the symptoms of endometriosis, which are very often include digestive symptoms. And are there any dietary recommendations you make with someone that, that has or suspects they have endometriosis? Sort of. So there's no such thing as like an endo diet because it depends on the person. And so, yes, an anti-inflammatory food plan that can vary from being vegan to paleo, keto or Mediterranean. So something in that range, depending on genetics and other factors. And absolutely, we want to support healthy gut microbiome. So we look at that through things like GI map or Thrive, you know, gut microbiome tests. And optimizing bowel movements is so key. You know, like I said, the constipation is a huge issue. So even things as simple as hydration, lots of vegetables, blended soups, the source of protein can vary, but high quality proteins, lots of fatty acids to support hormone balance. Um, but really it's getting those raw materials in, in the context of a healthy gut. So gut microbiome is huge. Healing the lining of the small intestine is huge. We're often doing similar things to optimize the lining and the health of the bladder, which can be very irritated. Uh, endo can grow on the bladder and there's just nervous system crosstalk in the pelvis and optimizing the vulvovaginal microbiome, which to me is kind of like almost like a sub microbiome to the gut microbiome. You've got to have both, you, you know, you can't just do that in isolation. And especially for women that have more painful sex or vaginal pain or vulvar pain. So, Yes, there's, there are absolutely nutrition recommendations and they're really around getting absorption of a nutrient dense diet, optimizing gut microbiome and healing all of these linings. Do you think there's a, an emotional trauma component at all that you've identified or, or work with with patients? There can be. Um, it's definitely more common to have pelvic pain for women that have had any kind of abuse, sexual abuse, childhood abuse, birth trauma. Um, so while it's sort of not the cause per se of endometriosis, it's definitely an underlying cause and factor in pelvic pain. So symptoms of endometriosis. So that's a very common thing to see in the history. Now, I suppose it's a bit confounded by the fact that it's just common in general. You know, 80% of physical therapists have been sexually assaulted or harassed at work. So it's just, I mean, in the water to some degree, but certainly more complicated uh, history of adverse childhood events or especially things during childhood, uh, puberty or around birth are, you know, stick in the nervous system more it's it's a problem there and so and that's where the pain signaling ultimately comes from so absolutely dealing with trauma is important 
Yeah, I always recommend emotional trauma, any kind of pain issue. You want to look at that as an underlying, you know, contributing factor. And yeah. so, and what about toxins? So we talk a lot about toxins on the show. Uh, what are toxins role in the ideation of uh, endometriosis or exacerbating it? Yeah, so toxins are going to be problematic, especially xenoestrogens. Endometriosis lesions, we used to think they were all sort of fed by estrogens, so like some breast cancers. It's not always estrogen, but it can be. And sometimes it's progesterone, sometimes it's both, sometimes it's neither. And each individual lesion can have different upregulation of the receptors. But no matter what, ex you know, excessive exposure to environmental estrogens is not great. And um, so we want to support gut microbiome to metabolize those estrogens, lower the toxic load, less plastic water bottles. I had one client whose symptoms were really improved by stopping wearing fl plastic flip-flops. Um, so things like that, just less plastic exposure, water filters, um, less you know, toxic makeup and skincare and household cleaners, all of that is really important to just lowering that uh, environmental toxic load, especially hormone disruptors. Yeah. And, and how do you address, you know, using like hormone replacement therapy as a method to manage or mitigate symptoms? You use kind of a natural progesterone or estrogens or recommendations, go to a medical doctor to get hormone replacement therapy. Well, generally hormone replacement therapy is not the issue in endometriosis. It's normally birth control or hormonal suppression, which has its place in the short term and sometimes for symptom management. But generally speaking, no, we, we're looking to kind of naturally balance the hormones. And the only time that I would suggest longer term hormonal suppression is if that's really, you know, someone's symptoms are quite unbearable and it's, a, it's really working for symptom control for them. And that, that happens, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 30% of the time, possibly less. And, and again, it's a, it's more of a bridge. So that's, that's kind of the role I would say that hormonal medications take generally adding hormones, you know, it's not common for endometriosis because that could just make things worse. Okay, great. You know, when you think about the amount of estrogenic substances we have in our environment, from the, the plastics, the pesticides, metalloestrogens like mercury and nickel and other metals that act like estrogens in our receptor sites and our hormone, our hormone receptor sites. I mean, it's not surprising that so many women are having things like endometriosis and other reproductive and fertility issues. Um, can you talk about any, and maybe go into any more depth of, about toxins and things that you suggest in your book, Overcoming Endometriosis to Help Women Deal with the Toxic Overload? Yeah, I think a daily, like daily detox is kind of how I like to think of it. You know, lowering the toxic load, less exposure to all of those environmental toxins as much as possible is key. And then consistently you know, supporting the systems that do the daily work of detox. You know, a lot of women with endometriosis benefit from 
lots of cruciferous vegetables, broccoli extract supplements, dim, you know, I3C, things like that, things that support liver processing of estrogens, things that support um, gut processing of estrogens. So, you know, every optimizing gut microbiome is key, fiber, certain probiotics, but just dealing with constipation. Many of our clients need magnesium support, need hydration support, movement. So there's kind of a balance between excessive uh, exercise and consistent daily exercise movement for gut motility. So we use things like ginger and artichoke for gut motility, but also visceral physical therapy, visceral pelvic physical therapy is super valuable for, you know, keeping the gut moving, especially before surgery, or if someone doesn't have surgery for any reason, there's commonly a lot of adhesions, little pocket, little opportunities for pockets of bacterial and fungal growth, overgrowths to happen in the small intestine or dysbiosis in the large intestine. So visceral physical therapy, pelvic floor physical therapy, and movement, even things like yogic practices, breath work, really help to keep the digestive system and the liver. Uh, There's a lot of visceral strategies for the liver and the fascia around the liver, uh, the diaphragm, good quality, you know, full breaths. These really are detox tools because what they're doing is allowing someone to have great processing day in and day out of the exposures that they can't mitigate to environmental toxins. So Jessica, tell us about your new book, Outsmart Endometriosis, and some of the highlights and some of the things that we can learn in your new book. I called it Outsmart Endometriosis because there was a study published about a year and a half, two years ago, that asked women, like, how is this affecting your life, your career trajectory, your school trajectory? And 74% of women with endometriosis said that this disease sort of takes them off their life path. And so it's the, it's the number one reason that teen and tween girls miss school. And so I really wanted to empower girls and women and mothers of teen and tween girls who struggle with endometriosis. And because there's a, a strong genetic component, this will tend to run in families. The tools to start setting these foundations of digestive health, nervous system health. The book talks a lot about pain science and how we can uh, optimize brain health to reduce pain symptoms. So a lot of symptom management uh, it includes many recipes that are supportive for getting those you know, important building block nutrients in, but without irritating the linings, without irritating the lining of the small intestine, you know, gluten-free, Uh, dairy-free, nutrient-dense recipes. So it's really that whole approach. It's, It's mindset, it's nervous system, it's inflammation. And there are some specifics to nutrition that help people figure out the right anti-inflammatory diet for them. Yeah. And are there any, uh, for the mothers out there concerned their child uh, might be exhibiting symptoms? Are there symptoms that we should, they should be looking for in their child? Is there benefits for early intervention in resolving endometriosis or just, is it just something that's managed? 
No, there definitely is benefit to uh, early intervention. So looking for that kind of picture of digestive issues right around pre-puberty or puberty, at puberty or some anytime later, having pelvic pain, which actually in teenagers and tweens is less cyclical because the menstrual cycle hasn't matured yet. So the pelvic pain can be anytime. Painful sex, period pain for sure. Fatigue, endometriosis gives a lot of crushing fatigue and can be also related to anxiety, depression, sleep issues. So, and as I said, it's the most common reason that girls miss school or practice for sports. And they'll, you'll, the other thing that because it tends to run in families is to start looking back in the history a little bit, you know, even if it wasn't the mother, you know, were there aunts who struggled with infertility and a lot of the stuff wasn't talked about really. So we have to dig a little bit into that family history conversation, but struggle with infertility, um, painful periods. Is it, is it sort of the myth in the family? Like, Oh, welcome to womanhood. Your period is going to be terrible. That's how it is in our family. That's a big red flag to me if there's those kinds of family history stories. And then what I would say is everything in the book is just perfectly healthy for menstrual health, you know, starting for tweens and teens, either way, even if you don't have endometriosis. So all of that is safe and you can start doing it at any point, just eating healthier, you know, reducing the toxin load, mindfulness and nervous system calming strategies is great for anyone. And then I would suggest having a consultation. If you think your daughter has endometriosis or could have endometriosis, the only way to diagnose it truly is with a skilled laparoscopic surgery. So see a a physician who does endometriosis excision surgery or very similar surgeries all day, every day. It's their whole practice. You don't want to go to a, you know, a gynecologist who 98% of the time delivers babies and does a little bit of endosurgery. You want someone who specializes in this. Yeah. And so, and when someone is going to a a medical doctor, what are some kind of like myopias they have or some, some issues they have when it comes to their approach to addressing it? And what do you do differently? Well, I think, you know, excision surgeons, that is a certain part of the, you know, multidisciplinary healing. Ideally, and many excision surgeons do this, they're very well informed, they're very multidisciplinary. Ideally, they'll suggest that you see someone like me and a pelvic physical therapist, you do all of this pre-work to get the body in the best possible shape for surgery for roughly six to 12 weeks prior to surgery, sometime in that range, maybe a little more, a little less, depending on scheduling. And then uh, again, like a couple of months of doing that after, and then it's really a long-term lifestyle. Then we're just keeping those healthy lifestyle changes forever to reduce risk of autoimmunity, to reduce uh, longer-term risk of autoimmune-related infertility. Endometriosis excision surgery actually can lower that risk for you know, I think it's been studied for approximately a year post-surgery. And then some of the research that I did in graduate school around this, we can keep that going if we do all the things we know how to do to minimize autoimmunity risk, you know, for, as to my opinion, a wide window as we want to optimize fertility. So the reason that we want to have a skilled excision surgery relatively early 
is even if someone doesn't have very severe endometriosis symptoms, early intervention in that way can be fertility sparing. So a lot of times our clients can completely resolve symptoms, pelvic pain, digestive issues, without needing surgery. Often they still do, um, but it's not impossible that they wouldn't, but having surgery can be more protective for long-term fertility. And so there is hope for putting endometriosis into remission or at least alleviating symptoms? Oh, absolutely. And for improving fertility, we have lots of patients who go on to have healthy, normal pregnancies, but it is a long-term lifestyle of self-care that really all of us should be doing, but nutrition, mindfulness, all of the things we've discussed. And so what you will see kind of in, in the other sort of Western medicine realm is just sort of going to your neighborhood gynecologist and often the only treatment at that point is, you know, birth control or uh, other serious medical hormonal suppression. I don't recommend, well, it's not to say I don't recommend that ever. I would say that is a band-aid solution to symptoms sometimes, which can be valuable um, for someone who's in really severe pain, but that's it should not be thought of as either a cure for endometriosis or even really a treatment. It's just a symptom management for the short term until the whole disease process is much better managed. Yeah. And my concern with that is covering up the symptoms is while you're doing that, you might have some temporary relief, but the underlying condition can continue to worsen um, sure. while you're, if you're not doing anything else, you really don't have any like knowledge of doing anything else because your, your doctor doesn't know about, you know, alternative means like you outline and outsmart endometriosis in your book to address the underlying root cause. Absolutely. And that's the big problem. It, when you're just sort of suppressing hormones as a treatment strategy or really any other pain management treatment strategy, you're not dealing with the disease itself and you're not strengthening the, the systems that, you know, support the immune health and digestive health. And then, you know, maybe the symptoms are even suppressed for a few years, but it could affect fertility down the road. Or as soon as you come off the medication, the symptoms are much worse. The disease can continue to uh, progress. And so does that mean like when you say it can progress, does that mean that the tissue can show up in more and more areas in the body? You mentioned I mean, your knees and your lungs and, and other areas. Can the tissue start multiplying the, the endometrial tissue? Um, yeah, so you can have lesions in more locations, whether it's abdominal, pelvic, or anywhere in the in the body. The lesions can be more inflamed; they can proliferate, like they can grow larger. Um, so yes, it, it can make the lesions worse to not deal with them in this uh, more holistic way. Okay. And usually, if you do deal with them in this holistic way, especially because the surgeries are so much better now than they were 12 years ago, and this holistic strategy really wasn't used at all 12 years ago, then it's not like you're, you shouldn't expect to have surgery again and again and again. Like the disease should be well managed. It's, there's no real cure, but it should be well managed in most cases. You know, whereas when I started my career, you know, it wouldn't be uncommon at all for someone to have 16 ablation surgeries, 20 ablation surgeries. And that just, it's not a good long-term plan. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely not. And so tell us uh, if someone is, this resonates with uh, one of the listeners, 
how do they go about working with you and your team? So our website is integrativewomenshealthinstitute.com and we train practitioners and we work with patients around the world. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Jessica, thanks so much for coming on the show and guys go get her book, Outsmart Endometriosis, uh, especially if you feel like you have any symptoms or you've been managing this illness for a while. Uh, there's lots and lots of alternatives out there to address this. You may not be getting with your doctor. So uh, Jessica, thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks so much. And anyone listening is welcome to get a free copy of the book at outsmartendo.com. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be thrilled by that. Uh, so guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Myers Detox Podcast. I'm Wendy Myers. And every week I'm so blessed to be able to, you know, just give you guys so much information about the underlying root causes of your health issues and and give you guys hope and inspiration that uh, there are so many things that you can do to improve your health and, and your fatigue and your symptoms and whatnot. So thanks for tuning in. Tons more to come. I'll talk to you guys next week. The Myers Detox Podcast is created and hosted by Wendy Myers. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Wendy Myers and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.